I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail... The right to a fair and timely trial is the cornerstone of our legal system. But COVID-19 threw a giant spanner into the works. The Chief Justice says major change within the court system must happen, and the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the issues. Jury trials were suspended in March because of the virus and will only resume in August. At last estimate, 60,000 events were backlogged across the court system. However, many of these issues already existed. The pandemic simply thrust them into the spotlight. Dame Helen Kelman says people on remand awaiting trial or sentencing are most affected. She says the remand population is unacceptable, the court system too complex and the cost of litigation too high. Now a subcommittee has been tasked with coming up with ideas to improve things, but it's difficult to implement large-scale change in such a vast and sprawling system. So what has COVID taught us about access to justice in the 21st century and what sorts of changes are we looking at to help streamline that process? Well, it is a beautiful sunny day in Auckland. In Manukau, I haven't actually spent much time in Manukau. But they are gorgeous, clear blue skies overhead. We're wandering down to the Manukau District Court to hang out with RNZ court reporter Arnika Smith. Covering court cases is Annika Smith's bread and butter, but today got off to a bit of a rocky start. I set my alarm for 6.45. I live centrally, but I had to go into the office before I headed out for the day, so I was supposed to... Today is um, in three different courthouses. I started off in the uh, Papakura District Court, so I got into the office and desperately made a coffee to wake myself up and jumped in the car, uh, hit the motorway and went down to the Papakura District Court um, for a case down there. Now this is a case that cropped up months and months ago, it was actually up in court in June. Ended up, you know, hustling down there and it's nine o'clock and sort of arrived early and we were told by a security guard it had been adjourned and okay, well, you know, um, let's uh, let's get the next date. Got the next date, went down there again um, this morning and was told it was adjourned again, which was um, frustrating to say the least. Uh, this is a case that seems to have rolled over and over. Now we're at the Monaco District Court. Uh, I, I had in my diary that uh, someone was going to be appearing for a list appearance and that hasn't happened, I'm told by the registry, even though the justice system call centre told me as you know as early as as recently as an hour ago that um, they were appearing, that that's that's not happening. Um, and I'm off to the high court later today for a pre-trial hearing. So um, so far it's been two fails. Zero from two. <laughs> Zero from two. Um, but I think um, the the high court when you see something is on the high court list, um, that's definitely going ahead. The 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 hearings seem to be a lot more um, cemented there. So. I'm very hopeful that that will be going ahead this afternoon. This court case is now a statistic, one of the thousands of active criminal cases we have in New Zealand right now. And now that it's been delayed, it becomes part of the backlog. We'll hear about the backlog soon, but first I wanted to know a bit about court. I've never actually been to court before, apart from a couple of times during journalism school. So I asked Annika how it all works. Someone will be charged and they'll be arrested and taken into custody. 
will there be summons to appear in court? And at that sort of first appearance, you'll have a, a lawyer assigned, things like name suppression, bail will be addressed, and it'll generally go off to a second appearance. The, the important thing in that first appearance is that you've got the charging documents that will outline the, the allegations the, the, you know, that the person's accused of, of doing. Mm-hmm. Lawyers assigned, all those things are addressed, and it'll go off to a second appearance, and it's usually in that second appearance that a plea is entered. So that's a pretty significant um, appearance, and, and between the first and the second appearance, You'll have things like disclosure, so the, a defence lawyer might get a bunch of information about a case so they may best inform their client and give it legal advice. Um, and that second appearance is, is generally where a plea is entered, and that's the pivoting point, isn't it? Whether you plead guilty or not guilty, and you can, uh, depending on what you've been charged with, can elect uh, a jury trial, or you might go off to judge alone trial. And if you if you plead guilty, everyone knows you'll go off to a sentencing date. So that's generally the most straightforward way. But as we know, a lot of people plead not guilty and they go to trial. We've got two types of trials, judge alone trials and jury trials, and they're, they're pretty self-explanatory. Judge alone trials, you just have a judge that sits on the case um, and considers the evidence uh, presented by the, the, the prosecution and any evidence if presented by the defence. And the jury trials, which I think the public may be a little bit more familiar with because you tend to get the really high-profile cases that are, are jury cases, you have a judge um, that sits in court like a judge alone trial, but... Their, their role isn't to determine the facts of the case, it's to, I guess, apply the law in the case. And the fact-finders in a jury trial are the jurors themselves, so you have a jury summons process, so effectively dozens to hundreds of people can be summons to court. you get a letter in the mail saying you've got to be at the Monaco District Court on this date. And there's a ballot, so all your names are put into a big box, and the registrar selects them randomly, and one by one, each um, jury member is impanelled. And uh, the basic concept behind that, not to over-generalise, is you have a right to be judged by your peers. So you've got 12, you know, ordinary men and women that live in your community um, who will judge you, and it's it's their role to determine the facts of the case. And it's the judge's role to apply the law. It's kind of like, a bit of like, a bit like a referee in some cases. The type of trial you get depends on the severity of the crime you're accused of. If it's a Category One charge where the maximum penalty is a fine, think you know careless driving, it's a judge alone trial in the district court. Category Two, where you can get up to two years in jail, are usually judge alone in the district court too. This would be something like common assault. Category 3 offences are a bit more serious, punishable by imprisonment for two or more years, and while they're usually heard by a judge in the district court, a defendant can request a jury trial. They can also be transferred to the High Court. This is stuff like aggravated assault or kidnapping. Category 4 offences are the most serious crimes you can be accused of, murder, uh, manslaughter and so on. These are always jury trials and always heard in the High Court. Now, as we mentioned, the right to a fair and speedy trial is one of the cornerstones of our justice system, but the age of COVID has complicated things. Here's Morning Report's Corin Dan speaking to Elizabeth Hall from the Defence Lawyers Association. Defendants are facing long and stressful waits for jury trials due to a huge court backlog caused by COVID-19. The Chief Justice was forced to suspend jury trials in March as the country braced itself for the nationwide lockdown. Jury trials restart at the end of the month, but lawyers say they're now dealing with a huge logjam in the court calendar. Lawyers have uh, very tightly run calendars in terms of 
it's like a Jenga piece, really, having the trials all scheduled so that there's no overlap and so that you can reach all of your commitments. And when an entire block becomes removed, it's got to be slotted in somewhere else. And unfortunately, the result of that is that people who were already scheduled for trials from August, September onwards, their trials don't get moved, but the ones that um, have been postponed just tag on to the end. And so, you know, my trial calendar is now uh, booked out through to the end of 2021. Trials by jury tend to take a long time, much longer than judge alone trials anyway. And when a big old pandemic comes along and stops all jury trials for close to four months, the court process is put under even more pressure. Here's the Chief District Court Judge Himi Tomonu speaking to Annika Smith last week. In essence, what we've had is an extra 500 jury trials over the period of suspension so far. It's anticipated and likely that that number will continue to rise over the next three weeks while we still are suspended with our jury trials. And in terms of the non-jury work, we've had a build-up of an extra 5,500 cases at its worst point during COVID. There are now about 4,000 active jury trials pending in New Zealand courts. That's more than double the number of active cases back in 2013-14. To give a sense of the, I guess, significance, it hasn't been seen since the Second World War. You know, nothing has affected our court system so much. And I think it's because our justice system, you know, by nature, um, as I've sort of mentioned before, is kanohe, kite kanohe, it's face to face. And when you've got a pandemic and we have to socially distance or self-isolate, it's just not possible to do that. And you might think, hey, tough bickies, COVID messed up a whole lot of stuff for a whole lot of people. And you would be right, but one of the unique things about court is the number and variety of people who are caught up in these proceedings and how their lives are affected. For example, say you're awaiting a jury trial. If bail isn't found to be suitable for you, you'll be remanded in custody. About 40% of people in prison are there on remand. As of March the 31st, that was nearly 4,000 people in prison, despite not yet having been found guilty of a crime. A lot of our remand prisoners are at Mount Eden, uh, which is quite a central prison in Auckland, and you're effectively held as a prisoner until your, your case ends. Um, they call it final disposition. Depending on if you're found guilty and what sort of sentence you get, sometimes the time served in prison as a remand um, prisoner actually counts towards time served of your sentence. So you might actually spend quite a bit of time in prison and by the time it comes to sentencing, you get you know two, three years, but you've actually already served 18 months, so that, that goes away towards the ending of that case. Wow, so you've kind of, situations can develop where you've already served your time before you're found guilty, Mm. in a sense. Yeah, that's true. And it's not just defendants either. I mean, when you have uh, someone that comes before the court, their family's often involved as support people. Uh, You see that a lot in court, actually. And you also have the victim, you know, all victims of an alleged crime, or if they're found guilty, you know, a crime. And so... It's not just um, the defendant involved. You have a vast array of people um, that are are following a case and are personally affected by it. And I think in interviews recently, the Chief Justice Helen Wink-Hellman and the Chief District Court Judge Hemi Tomonu have have made a point of acknowledging that backlog and delays are words that we use, and they're quite jargony words. But actually what you're talking about is real 
people and, and humans that are dealing with serious issues and that they don't take that lightly. Uh, I think we, we do have a tendency sometimes in looking at an, a system as big as the justice system to boil it down into numbers um, and dates and delay and you know period of delay, but you are talking about real people. So I think the biggest thing is you know, not getting into the nuts and bolts of it is just the delay and the impact of that. And I think one thing that's um, come to my attention recently is the impact of delay on, on victims um, who... I guess if if they've been a victim of a crime and they are told that you know someone's appearing in court or there's going to be this hearing happening in three weeks from now, in a sense they put their life on hold. You know they work towards that day. That's a significant event, um, and so the effect of getting to court, you've had a big build up, you know, you're anticipating things will happen, it may have been stressful in the days leading up to it and to get to court and just be told that it was adjourned for some reason or another um, can be incredibly uh, disheartening and I've heard from people, this is, these are people I've spoken to, that it can be re-victimising. Here's the Chief Justice, Dame Helen Winkelman. It's of enormous concern because backlog is, we talk about backlog and we talk about case numbers, but these are, these are people's lives. Uh, the justice system impacts on individuals, it impacts on families, impacts on communities, and every, every part, piece of delay in that system is something uh, that we all should deeply regret. This pandemic hit a system which was already clogged with a backlog. Um, in our district court in particular, we'd had an upsurge in workload, uh, just before the lockdown, we'd had uh, 21 new judges appointed, some to replace retirements, but some to, um, incre- to increase our capacity to address that backlog. Now we've got had about a 13 to 15% increase in the workload of that court as a consequence of uh, COVID-19, and that's of huge concern to the chief judge of the district court, to all of the judges of the court, um, and of course to me. Now, one of the interesting things here is what happened to Judge Alone trials. We heard earlier that jury trials were stopped entirely, but Judge Alone trials, which don't have as many people in a confined space, continued. And because no judges were sitting on jury trials, the courts enjoyed a rare commodity, surplus judges. Here's Chief District Court Judge Hemi Taimonu again. That 5,500 active cases increase that we experienced at the worst point in COVID in the non-jury work, that has actually been caught up with and those 5,500 cases have effectively been disposed of, uh, which I think is uh, something worth celebrating. Uh, Also what COVID did was provide an opportunity to uh, look at the way we're doing things and to try new ways of doing things. We actually didn't have a choice in some of the Uh, issues we had to deal with during COVID and it has got us thinking about more fundamental changes uh, that might improve timely access to justice uh, without actually changing the law but just making what we do in the criminal process more effective and more efficient. Which is great news but redeploying judges isn't a long-term fix it's not something you can rely on and you also can't just appoint a bunch of new judges it's a hard job with stringent prerequisites and appointments can take several months to oversee when covid lockdown started judge tomonu assembled a cross-agency subcommittee a group of lawyers police and corrections workers as well as judge tomonu himself 
to brainstorm ways to make the court system more efficient. And they came back with some ideas. He was reluctant to go into too much detail, but there were a few ideas that he he did share. One was to run, and I believe it's being trialled, um, maybe actually out here in the Monaco District Court at the moment, was to run courtrooms with double sessions. So to have two judges, two different judges dealing with different cases, sharing one courtroom, one having a morning session and one having an afternoon session. Anyone that's sat on a sentencing will know it doesn't take all day. It might take an hour or so. So you can actually utilise that courtroom space by... I guess halving the day and having one session in the morning and one session in the afternoon I think that's already been trialled and and another idea that he raised was this idea of Saturday courts so there are usually arrest lists on Saturday mornings and that deals with people that have been arrested overnight um, so that they don't have to wait till Monday effectively Um, but there is an idea being floated of Saturday courts to extend the working week to get through caseloads. People may have heard of AVL hearings or audiovisual link hearings and that's generally when a defendant is appearing from a prison unit during a lockdown lawyers weren't coming to court and they were all appearing in these virtual meeting rooms and I, I do think it was seen as incredibly useful time wise and it's, it's really especially in a, a centre like Auckland it takes ages to get anywhere um, in terms of commuting and so I think if you can cut down on, on that and, and we're talking about lawyers that you know, sometimes get paid a lot of money. You know, their time is expensive. Um, and so I think things like that will be brought forward. So those are a few suggestions. I'm, I'm really interested. Uh, it remains to be seen whether the recommendations will be made public. Uh, the chief uh, judge made a point to make that clear. Um, but I think anyone that works in the justice system is really keen to see those um, recommendations and how many are taken up and I guess how far it goes. And I think it, it is uh, worth noting that the, the Chief District Court Judge Hemi Tomonu is seen as a, a pioneer in many ways in the work that he's done um, with Rangatahi Courts, uh, establishing those, and he is uh, well-respected. There seems to be a deep sense of respect for him and the work that he does. So it remains to be seen but if anyone um, is able to implement change that actually you know shakes the the system up and makes it more efficient uh, he may be the person to do it. Most of the recommendations touch on the Criminal Procedure Act not with a view towards changing the Criminal Procedure Act but with a view towards identifying how each step in the process can be improved how it can be made more efficient and how our processes and practices can be made more effective to actually result in this idea of ensuring that every appearance by any person is meaningful when they come to our court. Late last week, the Justice Minister, Andrew Little, unveiled a $50 million package specifically for the purpose of relieving court backlogs. We know that as a result of the COVID-19 lockdown, there were going to be backlogs or further backlogs in the court system. Uh, all jury trials were stopped until the end of this month. Um, but also uh, the courts were hearing, uh, obviously, urgent and emergency applications, but a lot of other uh, matters were deferred. So uh, given that the court system that was already under pressure, it was important that um, we made the right approaches about getting some more resources in to, to address the effect not only of COVID-19, but to make sure that the existing backlogs didn't get worse. It you know, can be up to, in fact, in many cases, over a year uh, before you get a jury trial on a reasonably serious matter. That's you know, it's not good for the defendant, but it's actually not good for victims either. 
and others who are involved in having to give evidence. It just means everybody waiting longer. It can cause memories to, to dim. So anything we can do to uh, to take the pressure off the courts and to enable trials with a judge alone or jury trials to come on in a more timely manner, then that will help. I do expect this to make a material difference um, by, I would have thought, by partway through next year. Uh, we ought to see some of those times uh, coming back and, and lawyers and their clients and the victims of crimes um, you know, knowing that, uh, that matters will be brought on uh, in a more timely way. Effecting change can take a long time, especially in such a big, sprawling institution as the justice system. And Judge Tomonu says it can be easy when you're dealing with so many people in so many cases to start thinking about them as statistics, you know, numbers on a spreadsheet. We can't forget that we are actually talking about people. We're talking about people who have to come to court to face charges, who have to come to court to give evidence, who have been victims of crime, people who are affected in all sorts of ways by delay. When we talk about backlogs, what we're actually talking about is the time it takes for a person to have their case heard. And when we talk about a backlog, we are really talking about that time being more than is an ideal time frame for them to have to wait to be heard. I do want to make it clear it's not just about defendants. It's actually about everyone who's affected by the decisions that the court has to make. And that's why it's so important that we do address these backlogs, because at the heart of it all is the people and the communities that we serve. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell and Sharon Brett-Kelly. And thanks to RNZ court reporter Annika Smith. Court dismissed.